0: Why don't you grab your Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to ask you that you pray for for Ms. Morgan. I know we we prayed um, Wednesday night, but she's still in her trial. And we want to pray for for her and especially for her family this morning. That um, first and foremost, God's will would be done. Secondly, as much as it's possible to line up with our desires We ask Him to do that for us. This is the second part to last week's message, so I'm going to recap some of the first so that um, anybody that wasn't here last week, you're not left behind, you'll understand basically where we're at. Uh, I won't cover all of it, but I'll go through several of the main points, and then we're going to pick up this week on praying in faith for healing power or for sustaining sufficient Grace. Now I'll be defining that here in just a few minutes, but two ways to pray. Faith for healing power or faith for sustaining sufficient grace. And we'll get there here in just a minute. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, Because he makes intercession for all the saints according to what? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You can be seated. Last week we saw that all of creation, including our bodies, had been cursed with a curse of corruption and decay. Now, this is not new news to us. Even if you never read the Bible before, even if you don't know anything about the Word of God, you can still look at everyone around you and you can see that every day we grow a little older, right? And as we grow older, what happens to these bodies? They deteriorate. They begin to decay. Everywhere you look, when you plant a tree, every day that tree becomes to grow older, right? And as that tree becomes older and older, it becomes weaker and weaker because it is deteriorating. All of creation, anything that had been formed from the dust of the earth that God created, every bit of it was was subjected to futility. It was subjected to this curse. Even our bodies. God took dust from the earth. He formed man. And then He breathed life into him. The body is an outward man. The breath of life that God breathed inside of us was our soul, which is the inward man. And now the outward man is perishing because of sin, right? He said, Adam, because you have sinned, because you have have not done what I commanded you to do, cursed is the ground for your sake. In other words, cursed is all of creation for your sake. The Bible just told us that all of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of man. It is groaning and laboring with birth pains, waiting on the new birth when God comes back and He makes all things new, even our bodies. The redemption of our body is what Romans chapter 8, verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 23 said, He said, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. We're waiting on the day that what we sing about, no more sorrow, no more pain. We're waiting on God to bring that to us. That is, this is hope that we have. We don't have it yet. We have what the Bible called the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, we are seeing a foretaste of it. We're seeing a, a, a presentation of a glimpse of what this full redemption looks like. But we don't have the full redemption yet. We hope for it. We are waiting for the redemption. And we are eagerly waiting for this redemption of the body. But the curse is not removed yet it is coming according to Romans chapter 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which what? Which will be, which shall be revealed in us. And it says in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. He, the, the Even all of creation is waiting for, on the day that God comes back and gives us this full redemption, and it tells us why, in verse twenty, the reason that creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, it comes from verse twenty, for the creation was subjected to futility, all of creation was put under this curse, it was placed under uselessness, it was placed under a curse of decay and death, so it is waiting. It is waiting on the day that we have this glory revealed in us and given the new body because then it also will be made new. Revelations tells us that on that day God will make all things new. New heaven, new earth, new bodies, everything is made new. We have the foretaste of the redemption right now as He has given us His Spirit that we are being renewed day by day, our inward man. We have new life in our inward man right now. We're learning how to live in it. We're learning how to walk in it. But the outward man is still perishing. The outward man will perish. A lot of people say, well, unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die. No, even when Jesus comes back, that body is still going to die. Even when Jesus comes back, every single one of us will experience death. Because this mortal, according to 1 Corinthians 15, this mortal body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This mortal must put on immortality. This this corruptible must put on incorruptible because this flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we see all creation has been subjected to futility. It's been cursed. It was done in hope by God. If you'll look at the end of verse 20, he said... For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. He said the reason that God did this was not to punish you, not because He wanted to see you suffer, but He done it in hope that by bringing suffering and pain and death into your life, you would not put your hope and trust in the things of this world where there is no hope, But instead, you would put your hope and your trust in Him. That by by allowing you to go through the suffering and sickness and death and disease and all the suffering of this world, His hope and His sincere desire is that you will lose all hope in this world. And then, you will turn and seek Him with all your heart because you've got to find hope in something, right? For people who can't find hope in something, what do they do? They give up. They give up. God says, I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to quit. But I want you to lose all hope in this world. That way you put all hope and trust in me. And then I can save you. You see that? So we see that all of creation has been cursed, including our bodies. We see that this curse will not be removed until the revealing of the sons of God or until Jesus comes again the second time. This is the age where God makes all things new, but not yet. We don't have it yet. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, a foretaste of it. We see that God has given us this foretaste by looking back at Jesus when He came in His ministry. We see that Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick. But how many tombs did He pass by? Many tombs. Did He raise every one of them from the dead? Why not? Because it wasn't time for the full redemption. It was only time for the foretaste. He passed by many, many sick people. And He healed many, many sick people. But did He heal every sick person? No. Why? Because we have the first fruits of it. It wasn't time for the full redemption. God is not trying to rid these bodies of all of our physical ailments. He knows that these bodies must die. But what God is trying to do is even after we come to Jesus Christ, he still leaves the curse on these bodies because now he is trying to grow the inward man. And the way that he does that is by using all the tribulations in this life to cause you to continue to pursue him with everything that you have. And when you do that, those things will begin to purify you you will begin to have the remnants of all the sin that you didn't even know existed in your life. They'll come to the surface. And when they do, you have opportunity to get rid of them. So God leaves the curse. He doesn't heal everybody now. But there are still healings that take place today. You know, just um, last week, I think it was, we prayed for another man, Mr. Edward West, who was in the hospital and things were looking very dim. As far as the human mind and eyes and body is concerned, there really was no hope. Then, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, 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 they got him up out of the bed, took everything out of him, and he was up walking around the nursing home. You know, I know that God still heals today. We have seen many times people that have came and that God has healed, but not everyone. Not everyone. Because it is not His purpose Will in order for all people to have these physical bodies healed. This body must die. Do you see that? Is this making sense this morning? He has given us a foretaste of it. The redemption of our bodies is still yet to come. He heals us. He hears our prayer. We can cry out to Him, but not everyone will be healed. We saw that God's purpose for us in this is for our good not for our evil. God doesn't leave sickness and death. God doesn't give you cancer. Yes, I said God gives cancer. God gives diabetes. God gives all these sicknesses. He may do it by the hand of Satan, but God is sovereign and he allows it or not. Matter of fact, somewhere in the book of Deuteronomy, and I still had not found that scripture yet for the Wednesday night class, it's in the book of Deuteronomy though. He said, I am the Lord who afflicts and I am the Lord who heals. It's by my hand. When you think about Job, after Job was sitting there in his bulls and his sickness, when he was sitting there in all of his pain and suffering, and his wife came to him and said, Why don't you just curse God and die? Job looked back at her and said, You speak like a foolish woman. He said, Should we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not receive evil from the hand of the Lord? And then the very next verse says, In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong from his lips. In other words, when Job said that the evil that he received came from the hand of God, it was truth. It was absolutely true that God had allowed that to take place on his life. But it was not, for, it was not meant as evil toward him. It was meant for his good. Do you see that? So at the end of this thing, Job finally opened his eyes and said in Job 42, verse 2, I think it is, he said, God, I now understand that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you, that you have a purpose and a reason for everything that you do. You always do it in hope, and it is always for our good and not for our evil. And we should turn to you in all of our trials and all of our troubles. So if all these things are for our good... If it's for our good that we not be healed, what do we do? What, how do we know what to pray for? If, it, if we don't know whether or not God is going to remove the trial from our life, if we don't know whether it's His will, whether we're going to continue suffering or if He's going to remove it, then my question today is this. How do we know how to pray? Do we just sit back and say, well, God, your will is going to be done. It really do not matter what I ask for, right? I mean, well, truthfully, I mean, his will is going to be done. Even if we ask for it, if it's not his will, we're not going to get it, right? Right? So how do we even know how to pray? What do we do in the time while we're waiting to see, God, what is your will in this suffering in my life? What is your purpose behind this? While I'm waiting to see, God, are you going to remove this or am I going to have to stay in it? What do we do? Anybody ever wanted to know that? Well, you're fixing to find out. You do two things. First thing is you pray, 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 pray. Pray. You don't stop praying. You cry out to God day and night. You stay persistent in your prayers in asking God for the desire of your heart. The book of James tells us we have not. Why? He said we have not because we ask not. In other words, God expects you to come to Him and ask Him for what you want. Somebody says, well, I'm not going to ask God for that. Why not? Why not? Ask Him. Now granted, the very next verse says you have not because you ask not, but the reason you, you, have, you ask and you have not is because you ask it that you may have it for your selfish desires. He says, so that's why you ask and then sometimes you don't get it. He said, you're supposed to be dying to yourself. We pray, 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 and we pray for two things. And here's where the message starts this morning. We pray for number one. We pray for faith for the healing power that comes from God. When you don't know what His will in this situation is, unless He has came down and told you, unless His Spirit has spoke to you and said, this thing must remain in your life, then don't quit praying. I'm not talking about 10 minutes of praying. I'm not talking about a five-minute prayer. I'm not talking about the, uh, 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 pray a day and then if you don't answer, well, we we'll just, we we'll just quit. No, I'm talking about praying and praying and praying. The book of Luke chapter 18 said that, the pers- said that God's elect cried out to Him day and night. Day and night they cried to Him. And the Bible said in the very next verse that God will avenge them speedily because they cry to him day and night. In other words, he is going to give them an answer, and he's going to give them an answer speedily. Now, one day is like a thousand years in the eyes of God. So God's idea of speedy and our idea of speedy is two different things. But, even still, he says, I'm going to give you an answer. If you cry to me day and night, I'm going to give you an answer, and I'm going to give you an answer speedily. So I say to you, pray, number one, for faith, for healing power. Or, at the same time, while you're praying and while you're waiting, you pray for faith, for sustaining sufficient grace. Now let me explain what that means. To be sustained. Does anybody want to take a crack at what that means, to be sustained? All in? Alright, soften down. Here's an actual definition for it. To support, to bear up, to keep one from going under. Do you see that? How many of you need to be sustained during your trials? You need somebody to bear you up. You need support. You need something that is up under you, holding you up, because you can't hold yourself up during this time. Do you see that? So first off, you need faith to be sustained. You need sustaining, sufficient grace. Sufficient means plenty. You need plenty of support. It's not just enough support to get you by. God don't work like that. No, He said my grace is what? Sufficient. (laughs) My grace is plenty more than what you need. My grace goes above and beyond anything that your heart could ever imagine. That you think you need, you need need sustaining, sufficient grace. And the key to all this is that is that word grace. And the main word that you need to understand about grace is this: undeserved. You don't deserve to be held up. You don't deserve to be supported. You don't deserve to be kept from going under in this trial. But it is His grace, His undeserved mercy, that He gives you this sufficient amount of bearing up. This sufficient amount of keeping you afloat with your head plenty above water. But this only comes by His grace. And we pray, God, You sustain us by Your sufficient grace does that make sense this morning i don't want to confuse nobody i want you to understand what you're asking for you're asking for god to undeservingly bear you up and keep you above water during your toughest trial during your hardest time and god said you have not because you ask not you're going under you know why you ain't praying you ain't being held up you feel like you're sinking the whole world is falling on top of you and it's crushing you in i can't even breathe you know why You ain't praying enough. You ain't praying. You ain't digging in there. You ain't seeking God. We ask God, faith, for healing power. Because let me explain something to you. Who's to say that God's will is not to heal you? He healed many. He healed many. And He's still healing many today. It very well could be His will for you to be healed. Ain't that right, Bubba? It very well could be His will for you to be healed while you're waiting, pray God give you faith for sustaining sufficient grace. I want to look at a couple examples on this. Look at uh, Matthew 26 verse 36 through 46. Let me help you see what I mean by this. Let's just look at the toughest trial that's ever been put on any man. Anybody ever heard of Jesus? Well, Jesus had a trial. Pretty tough when it's at. During this trial, Jesus was fixing to take on all the sin of mankind. How many of you have a hard time bearing your own burdens, your own sins? Can you imagine being completely sinless, being completely perfect, and yet now you're fixing to take on all of the sin of all the world? The Bible says that he went into this garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, he said, sit here while I go and I'm going to pray over there. I'm fixing to go and I'm fixing to pray because I'm in a trial. I'm in a burden. I need one of two things. I either need to be delivered from this trial or I need to be sustained and held up and given the strength to bear through this trial, whichever the will of God may be. So he says in verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And look at verse thirty eight. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I believe Jesus is saying right here, I feel like this body's dying. You ever been so sorry? That's what it felt like. Soul Hurt, so burdened that it felt like you were just going under. That's what Jesus said here. He said, I feel like I'm going down. Stay here and watch with me. And then verse 39. Now I want you to notice something right here. He went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed. And he said, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, God, I'm going to tell you the desire of my heart. I don't know for sure if there is any other way. I don't know for sure. You're God. All things are possible with you. You are the great Father. You are the great Creator. You are the great I Am. I don't know, but God, if it is any other way, if it is possible, God, I want to tell you my desire is that that I not have to go through this. God, if it's possible, I'm giving you desire of my heart, remove this suffering, remove this suffering, remove this suffering, remove this sickness, remove this trial. Oh, but then he stops. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I won't, but as you won't. So basically what Jesus is saying here is this. God, I'm praying for faith to be delivered from this thing. But on the same token, I'm praying for another thing. I'm praying that if it's not your will, you give me the power to sustain me through my trial. You give me the strength to sustain me through this suffering. Let's keep reading. Look what he says next. Verse 40. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. Now remember... He told His disciples, I need you to go with me and pray. Why? Because I'm exceedingly sorrowful even to death. In other words, I need some help to bear me up. How many of you know that as much as you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you cannot 100% count on them to be the only thing that bears you up through this trial? As much as we love each other here, if I'm not careful, I'll let you down. If you're not careful, you'll let me down. We will. But he says here that I, I I came to my disciples and I found them sleeping. I feel like I'm fixing to die in this trial. I'm going under, and you're sleeping. He stops there. He says, "Okay." He said to Peter, "What? Could you not watch with me for one hour?" He said, "Could you not bear me up? Could you not support me? Could you not strengthen me for one hour?" Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then look what he done in 42. Again, a second time he went and what would he do? He didn't just stop the first time, did he? He didn't pray for ten minutes and stop. He didn't pray one time and say, well, I guess it ain't God's will. No, he came back the second time and he prayed again. And he said, my Father... If this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He said the same words again. Basically, he said, God, if it's possible, I want you to give me my desire of letting this pass from me. But God, nevertheless, if I have to drink this suffering, let your will be done and you give me the strength to hold me up He's praying for two things here. Do you see this? This is important because I'm telling you, if you're not already in a trial, if you haven't already been there, you will be there. And I bet you the last trial you was in, you weren't praying for these two specific things right here. I bet you weren't specifically praying for sustaining sufficient grace, but instead maybe you were just praying for faith to be healed. And the reason why you felt like you was going under is because you were forgetting to pray for the one thing you needed most, strength to be sustained. He says in verse um, 42, again a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Hmm. Old Peter, James, and John, they'll go with him to death, they said, but they can't stay awake, can they? Look down at verse 44. So he left them and went away again. And he prayed a third time. He ain't done yet. He's praying a third time. God, deliver me from this if it is possible. But if it's not, your will be done and you sustain me through it. He goes on and he says, he prayed the third time saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, The hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. And look at verse 46. I want to see what you see next.
1: Now remember, He's
0: sorrowful. Exceedingly sorrowful. Even unto death. He's asked for two things. God, if it's possible, deliver me from this trial. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done, and you give me the strength to sustain me and bear me up and hold me up through this thing if if I can't be delivered. And then look what what happens in verse verse 46 right there. He said, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He said, listen, guys, I've got my answer. It's not possible for this cup to pass from me. And that's okay, because he's going to get me through it. That's okay because even though I'm going to my death, even though I'm going under, even though I don't have you to bear me up because you sleep, he's going to sustain me. He's going to hold me up. He's going to carry me through. Do you see that? Let's look at another example. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. We looked at this last week, but we'll look at it again. i gotta, I got to get moving. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul, and he has been shown so many great things from God that he has a chance of sin in the form of pride welling up in his life if he's not careful. So God allows a suffering to come on his life for the very purpose of his good, of making sure that Paul stays humble, that Paul doesn't rise up to exalt himself thinking he's anything. So in verse 1 of chapter 12, It is doubtless and not profitable for me to boast. He said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then in verse 2, he starts to tell of one of those times. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. But this man was caught up to the third heaven and I know such as And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And then look at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, look what God done. I what? What did Paul do? Concerning this thing, concerning this messenger of Satan, concerning this trial, concerning this... this, this, Awful, awful trouble that has come on my life. I pleaded. What does it mean to plead? He said, I got down on my knees and I cried unto God three times. He said, God, please take this cup from me. God, if it is possible, deliver me from this suffering nevertheless. Not my will be done, but thy will be done I did it three times and I asked God. I pleaded for deliverance and I did not stop until He delivers me or He gives me the sustaining, sufficient grace that I need to get through it. Look what happens next. Verse 9, And He said to me, God answered him quickly, speedily, didn't He? He said, My grace is sufficient for you. My undeserved mercy is sufficient. It's plenty enough to hold you up and bear you up during this time. And look what he says next. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, here's Paul's statement to that. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Paul's attitude has just changed, hadn't he? Remember, Paul went from pleading and begging God to remove this it being exceedingly sorrowful, to now after prayer and after God has answered him, all of a sudden he has this strength that has come up in him. And look what he says: "I take pleasure Amen. in this thing that I once begged and pleaded God." What happened there? Where did this shift occur? Where did this where did this strength come from? Prayer, God, sufficient, sustaining grace. See, even if it's not God's will for you to be removed, first and foremost, you don't know till you cry out to him day and night. Many people were healed. Many were delivered. Could very well be you as well. But if by chance it is not you, if by chance it is God's will for you to remain, he says here, I'm going to put you in a place if you'll ask for it. To where you take pleasure in your trial. He said I'm going to make you happy about your heart problems. (laughs) I'm going to make you get tickled when you think about your back pain. I'm going to make you you just want to get up and, and wave your hands. And give me praise when you think about the trouble that's in your life. He said, that's the kind of attitude shift that I'm going to give you if you will just pray for faith, for healing power, or if it's not my will for that, that you pray for sufficient, sustaining grace of God to bear you up and hold you up while you endure it. So I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. He said, if I lose my house, you know what I'm going to do? I'll take pleasure in it. Come get it. And he's not talking about those guys that just don't want to pay for it anymore, so they say, come on, get it. He ain't talking about that. No, he's talking about those that if 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 they get in a situation where God takes their job from them and they can't make the payment anymore and, and they lose it, he says, ah, come on, get it. Be okay. We're going to be just fine. Ronnie Lee may have an extra bedroom if I can get in. Watch out i got somebody here that that, will put me up for a little while. We're going to be okay, though. We're going to make it. He said, I take pleasure in all those persecutions and all those distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. So you think about Jesus, you think about Paul. That's two perfect examples. Don't stop praying. Get on your knees and plead with God. I want to show you one more scripture, and I'm closing after this. Hebrews chapter 11. Beck, I'm not going to be able to get all of them in, so this will be the last one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 through 39. If I ever don't give you enough examples from the Word of God when I preach you a lesson, whenever whenever the Lord gives you something, I want you to come to me after the church is over with, and you say, hey, I need a little bit more to show me exactly that what you're saying lines up with the Word of God. I promise you, I've always got leftovers, so you'll have enough. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just do verse 35. Let's do verse 35 through 39, if it's okay. This is what it reads. He said, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were what? (laughs) You know, if you read the faith chapter in the book of Hebrews chapter 11... All the way up to verse 35, you see nothing but victory in life. Up to verse 35, you see no death. You see nothing that was that that somebody was tortured. You see nothing that the anything was taken. It is the faith chapter. And by faith, all these people were made so victorious. They received deliverance from lions, dens, and from swords, and from famine. And they received deliverance from all manner of suffering. And it was all by faith in the healing power and the delivering power of God. But then we get to verse 35. And if it weren't for verse 35 and the shift thereof, we would be tempted to actually believe that the only people in this world that don't get healed The only people in this world that don't get delivered, the only people in this world that don't make it through suffering, we would actually be tempted to believe it's because they don't have faith. But I want to show you how that's a lie and that it takes just as much faith to not be delivered as it does to be delivered. Check this out. He says, Women received their dead raised to life again. Oh, they were delivered. However, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Do you see that? He said others were tortured. They didn't get their deliverance. It ain't that they didn't have faith. No, they didn't, they didn't even get to accept their deliverance. He said that they might obtain a better resurrection. He says still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. Any of that sound like deliverance to you? They were sown in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And then look at verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good testimony by what? Through faith he said listen it takes just as much faith to sustain you through the suffering to trust god through the suffering that it does to deliver you from cancer or from heart trouble or from the greatest diseases that the world has ever seen he said you think it takes faith to be healed it also takes faith to be sustained and Can you get faith on your own? It has to come from God. And then God says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. You have to plead with God for faith for healing power or for faith for sustaining sufficient grace. The reason this bothers me and I used to be this way. I used to believe this way. And it was just a lack of understanding. It took spiritual growth. I had to learn. I had to see some things. But it bothers me when people believe and will preach that, that something is not right. If that person don't get healed, if that person don't get delivered, then, then something's not right. Either somebody didn't believe, either somebody in this prayer circle didn't, didn't believe. One of, y'all, one of y'all deacons didn't believe. Nick, maybe it was you. Maybe you were the one. The reason why this didn't take place, all of us believed. We had perfect faith, Ronnie, but Nick King did not believe and because he had that unbelief in his heart, God didn't answer. That's a lie. That's a lie. You know, it seems to me that the majority of the New Testament actually teaches that genuine faith is not proven by who got delivered but it's proven by who fa- stayed faithful and true to God while the trial was not removed from their life. You can look at many examples of Scriptures to see that. First Peter chapter 4 is one of them, and I'm not going to go there, Beck. I'm just going to give them to y'all. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 is one example for those of you taking notes. First Peter 1, verse 6 and 7 is another example to where he says this suffering and this trial was given to you for the very purpose of trying your faith to see if you go through this thing and stay true to God, then your faith was proved to be genuine when it come out the other side. He said, Job, I'm going to take your family and all your goods away from you because I want to see if you stay true to me, whether I bless you with anything. And Job said after he lost everything, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I ain't following you because of worldly possessions. I'm not following you because you gave me children. I'm not following you because you gave me a great big family. I follow you because I trust you, because I know you're God, because I love you. So those who believe that those who don't get healed or delivered are the ones that did not believe, I say to you that is not true. I say to you that it takes just as much faith And genuine faith is proven by remaining true to God and keeping your joy in the midst of the deepest, darkest trials of fire that God allows to come in your life. I want to end with this, and I'm done. God reveals His glory in us when we see somebody come up to ask for healing and they go back healed, right? No question, when they are healed, God's glory is revealed. But God also reveals His glory in us. When we come up and we don't get healed, when we don't get delivered, and yet we stay true to Him through it all the way through, that's when the world looks at us and they see true, genuine faith. They say, just like they saw in Job's life, that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But no matter what He decides to do in my life, blessed is the name of Almighty God. You know, I pray that we would be a church that sees many healings often. Let me say that one more time. I pray that we would be a church that sees many healings often. Not always. But I pray that we would be a church that would always have the sustaining, sufficient grace of God in the times that He does not answer our prayers, in the times that we plead with Him over and over again, but nevertheless, God, Your will be done. I pray that we be a church that always keeps joy and and trust in God the Father, knowing, just like Paul knew when he wrote Romans 8.28, that God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose or according to His will. I pray that many people come to this altar and I pray that many people walk away healed. And listen to me, church. Cry out to God for it. Even if you don't know what His will is, don't just sit there and go, well, I guess it ain't His will for me to be healed. Get up off of your self-pity party butt and get on your knees and plead with God because you are His child. The Bible says it is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is His good pleasure to freely give you all things. He wants to give you healing. He wants to give you full healing. Not yet, but He wants to. Get up off your butt and know, and if that offends you, I'm sorry, I still say it. Get up off your butt. Get on your knees and know that God means for you to have all the good things that He has to offer, but it's always going to be given to you for your good. If it is not going to grow you and nurture you, He's not going to give it to you. He's not going to take it away from you. He is going to always look out for your good. You pray and you plead with God for faith and power to be healed. And then you pray while you're waiting for him to answer and see what he's going to do. No matter how long it takes, you pray, God, you give me your sufficient sustaining grace to let me have a good outlook on this thing and to bring you glory through it until you answer me. I pray that you've heard this message this morning because a trial is coming in your life one day. If It's not already there. You're going to get hit with a trial, and it's going to be tough. And the question is, how will you respond to it? Will you get up and curse God and die? Or will you say, that's foolishness, that shall we receive good from the hand of God and not receive evil? Or will you say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't say it wouldn't be sorrowful. He didn't say it wouldn't be tough. He said, I just want you to trust me. And while you're trusting me, pray for faith to be healed and pray for faith to have sustaining, sufficient grace that only comes from God. Would you stand with me this morning? I ask Shirley to come. The altar is open for whatever you need. I'll be glad to pray with you this morning if it's something that that I can do to help you. I think I can stay awake long enough to pray with you, unlike Peter, James, and John. But I'm not as tired as they were, maybe. But I would. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to help you any way that I can this morning. But know that I can only point you to the one who can save. I can't save you. I can only point you to the one that can deliver you. I can't deliver you. But I can pray for deliverance with you. So I ask you to evaluate yourself this morning and see what you need as we sing.
1: O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the world thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe play then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander. birds sing sweetly in the trees when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze then sings my soul
0: I love this song because it, it it just talks about all the great things that God has created. And it talks about how great He has to be to, to have done all that we see around us. And that is so true. I know that y'all have heard this before, but I can't say it enough. You know, when you look at this building, you, you don't need a college degree. You only need common sense to tell you that even though you may not see the person and be able to smell the person that built it, common sense tells you that this building was built by someone. You don't have to see him. You don't have to know anything about him. All you need is the building to know that a builder exists. You look at a painting. You don't have to know who painted it. You don't have to know his name. You don't have to know he exists. All you have to have is a painting to know that there is an artist somewhere. I, I, I maybe have to search for him. I may have to get on the internet to find him, but there's an artist somewhere. Somewhere there's a builder. You look at all of this creation. If common sense tells us that if there's a building there's a builder, if common sense tells us that if there's a painter if there's a painting there's a painter, then how in the world is it possible for us to ignore common sense that if there is creation then there is a what? There is a creator. There is a God. I don't have to have a seminary degree or a college degree. I'm not saying it'd be bad if I didn't have if I had one. No, uh, I don't have to have any kind of great education to know that God is real. I don't have to have any great degree to know that God has corrupted these bodies to a curse of death. I don't have to have a college degree to know that we are going to die. I don't have to have a college degree to know that there will be sickness, there will be pain, there will be suffering. I just automatically know that. But I do have to have a little knowledge of why he's done it in order to sustain me through it. I pray that that's been done this morning. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you ain't ever known, God. I don't know. That's between you and him. You ain't never made a decision to seek after him, to follow him by faith. I'm going to open up this invitation for one more verse. And I'm going to encourage anybody that that needs to have that in their life this morning. You need to know who God is. You need to know more about him. You don't know everything. There is no, I don't either. (laughs) I'm still learning. But I'm seeking him. I'm going after him. So I encourage you this morning, as we sing one more verse, step out, come meet him this morning as we sing.